Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Nation. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 94. The first thing that will stand out in this episode will be that Father Ed Meeks is a married priest, because many Catholics aren't aware that the Catholic Church has priests who are married and in good standing in the Church. Take a moment to wrap your mind around that, and we'll let you hear what Father has to say when we get back. We'll be right back after this message. I usually promote one of my books here, but from now on until the election, I'm going to run this. I have absolutely no doubt that President Trump will win re-election in a landslide victory on November the 3rd. However, and I pray I'm wrong, on November 4th, we'll see a level of violence that hasn't been seen in America since the Civil War in 1861. Certainly, we need to pray for God's mercy and protection, but we must also prepare. I'm begging you to spend the month of October building up your food reserves. If I'm right about the violence, it may be weeks before you'll be able to shop for any essentials, especially food. Be cautious, stay safe, and pray a lot. Father Meeks and his wife had a long and very interesting journey to the Catholic Church. I'm not going to tell you the Meeks story, because I've added a link in my show notes to their story, as told by Jan Meeks, father's wife. Boy, that even sounds funny to me. What I am going to tell you is that this courageous priest is one of the few who is willing to tell you the truth about bad Catholic Joe Biden. He's going to tell you the truths about Biden that the mainstream media won't tell you. This is the last time we'll tell you just how bad Catholic Joe Biden is going to transform America and the Catholic Church in America. I'll be blunt. If, after hearing Father Meeks, you're still inclined to vote for Biden and his Marxist buddies in the Democratic Party, then I tell you now that you'll have deserved to be faced at gunpoint by the Marxists who enforce their destructive will. They want to destroy America. They want to destroy the Catholic Church. And rest assured that they will if bad Catholic Joe Biden wins the election. Before we get to Father Meeks, I have something very important to say. We all know that Jesus spoke to the world through the Gospels, but do you realize he has a lot to say in the book of Revelation as well? He does. The first thing I want to point out is what he said in Revelation 3.15. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So, because you were lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. He also gives us a short list of people who can count on an eternity in hell. In Revelation 21.8, Jesus said, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now let me pull these two passages together for you. One of the greatest problems we have in the Catholic Church in America today is apathy, what Jesus referred to as lukewarmness. He said he's going to spit lukewarm people out of his mouth. 
That doesn't sound too promising to me. But then Jesus scares the bejeebers out of me, and I hope it scares you too, when he lists the people who can absolutely count on eternity in hell. He lists murderers, which would be anyone who supports abortion by voting for Biden and the Democrats or remaining silent about it. He lists the sexually immoral. That would be those who practice homosexuality, contraception, or any other sexual sin. But the thing that most attracts my attention are the very first two things he mentions, the cowardly and faithless. If you're a priest or bishop listening to this, and you haven't spoken out against the diabolical Democratic Party and bad Catholic Joe Biden, then you're either a coward or you're faithless. I beg you to repent while there's still time. You priests and bishops need to stand up and be the men, the real men, Jesus created and called you to be. The lady don't get off the hook here either. All our lives we've been told not to discuss controversial topics. That's a lie right out of the bowels of hell. Had we been challenging the so-called controversial topics in the first place, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in today. So all of us need to put on our big boy pants, instantaneously grow a spine, and stand up for the truth. That takes guts. That takes courage. Don't find yourself, very soon, in the situation where Jesus sends the cowardly to the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. Now let's listen to Father Meeks as you think about what Jesus has said. I mentioned to you for the past two Sundays that I'm going to be speaking today on the November 3rd election, and I want to give you a little heads up as I begin. I will be going a little bit long this morning because I have a lot of ground to cover. This will be, for me personally, the 14th presidential election I will have voted in since reaching the age of majority, and this one is unlike anything I have ever seen. I actually said the same thing about the last election in 2016, but the events of the last four years, and in fact of the past six or seven months, have cast this upcoming election in a whole new and ever more dire light. I believe that at this moment in time in history, you and I find ourselves as part of a society that is staring into the abyss, and that how our nation votes on November the 3rd will determine whether we collectively step off the cliff into that abyss or step back from it, if only temporarily. Now, let me preface my remarks by saying that it is not my place to tell you how you must vote. We do, after all, still live in a free country with free elections, at least for the time being. But it is my place as your priest and pastor to help you see how your vote may or may not line up with the teachings of the church. So I will tell you emphatically that what I'm about to say to you should not be taken as an implicit endorsement of any candidate by Christ the King Church or by the personal ordinariate of the chair of St. Peter. I'm taking this opportunity to speak to you personally, to share with you my own personal opinion. But it's an opinion both formed and informed by the Word of God and by the crystal clear teaching of the church for the purpose of helping you think through the choices. Because again, there are certain realities about the candidates and their parties that directly impact our Catholic faith. And so we must be aware of these realities before we cast our vote. 
And my first allegiance is not to any political candidate or party, but to the truth of God and his church. So what I'm going to say is not politically motivated, because the stakes involved far transcend politics. But what I'm going to say, I believe, has to be said. Now, let me begin by telling you that I have struggled mightily with this message, not because I'm afraid of the truth. I think you know me better than that. To the contrary, the truth is what motivates me every day of my life. I resonate completely with St. Paul, who said, Woe is me if I do not preach the truth of the gospel. Frankly, if I were not sold out to the truth, I wouldn't even be standing in front of you today because I would not be a Catholic priest. No, the reason for my struggle has to do with the vitriol and with the vicious animosity that are evident in our society today. Animosity that has played out tens of millions of times daily on social media and in the violence that has overtaken so many of America's cities and was even on full display in the recent presidential debate. Brothers and sisters, we live in a nation that is sadly, tragically divided, a nation at odds with itself. Jesus' words in the gospel of this past Friday were never more true. A house divided against itself cannot stand. I grieve for what has become of America. And so the last thing I want to do is to have this message contribute to that division in our country, and least of all, to have it cause division in our parish. You and I are children of the same Heavenly Father. You and I are servants of the same Lord and Master. We are first Christians, Catholics. We are second Americans. And then somewhere down the line from there, we are Republicans or Democrats or Independents or whatever. Never forget that order. And so it has almost become a cliche to declare that we have re reached a tipping point in our nation, but it is also true, and it is time for faithful Catholics and other Christians to stand up courageously and forthrightly to confront the evil that has overtaken our culture and say, enough is enough. Because whether you are aware of it or not, there are powerful forces in government at every level, as well as in the mainstream media, and in the Silicon Valley technocracy that are working aggressively to silence the church through legislation, lies, intimidation, and censorship. So for us faithful Catholics, the starting point of our choice of whom to vote for needs to be that we intentionally think with the church. Think with the church something that too many Catholics have failed to do for far too long, a fact that has largely contributed to the dire condition of our culture today. The Church has clearly and consistently based her teaching on the sacred scriptures and on the living tradition embodied in 2,000 years of her magisterium. That teaching has led to an array of foundational principles when it comes to us as Catholics and our moral and civic responsibilities. It's not always easy to sift through the myriad of issues at play in presidential politics. So it becomes crucial then that we properly prioritize those issues because some are more clearly more important than others. We can respectfully disagree and we can have differences of prudential judgment and opinion around issues like the economy, taxation, immigration, national defense, trade, 
health care, climate change, and so on. But don't get sidetracked by the spurious, seamless garment theory espoused by many in the church that asserts that issues like immigration and the environment are of equal weight with abortion, because there is a set of issues upon which Catholics must not disagree. Pope Benedict XVI specified those issues in his 2012 Apostolic Constitution entitled Sacramentum Caritatis, in which Benedict defined what he called our non-negotiable values, a concept which he repeated countless times during his pontificate. Among the list of non-negotiable values which he identified, chief among them are the sanctity of life from conception to natural death, the sanctity of marriage as a lifelong sacramental union of a man and a woman, and the preservation of religious liberty. They are non-negotiable because they are of paramount importance in Catholic moral theology. They are the moral principles where the church draws a clear line in the sand. In all of the fog and the confusion and spin that surrounds every political season, we must, as faithful Catholics, conscientiously vote in such a way that best upholds and protects these non-negotiable values. Again, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, and religious liberty. Not that other issues are unimportant, but these three are foundational to who we are as human beings and to what kind of society we are constructing. As Pope Benedict wrote regarding these values, quote, in the face of fundamental and inalienable ethical demands, Christians must recognize that what is at stake is the essence of the moral law, which concerns the integral, integral good of the human person, end quote. On these and other critical issues, there is one presidential candidate who stands in very public, very obstinate opposition to church teaching, namely former Vice President Joe Biden, along with the Democratic Party. And so I'd like to share with you the five things which every Catholic needs to know about Catholic Joe Biden and how these line up with the non-negotiables. And by the way, before I begin, and for the sake of those of you who might be a little bit squeamish about what I'm about to say, let me quote for you a principle from the Second Vatican Council's pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world entitled Gaudium et Spes. The Council Fathers wrote this, quote, At all time and in all places, the Church should have the true freedom to teach the faith, to proclaim its teaching about society, to carry out its task among men without hindrance, and to pass moral judgments even in matters relating to politics, whenever the fundamental right of man or the salvation of souls requires it. Okay, then. The five things that every Catholic needs to know about Catholic Joe Biden. Number one, Joe Biden is unabashedly pro-abortion. This fact is clear from his long voting record, his public pronouncements, his allegiance to and support of groups like Planned Parenthood and NARAL, and from his party's platform not only in this election year, but in their platform going back decades. He and they support abortion for any reason or for no reason, right up to and even beyond the moment of birth. He and they opposed the effort in Congress to pass legislation requiring doctors who perform abortions to provide medical care to babies who survive the abortion, opting rather 
to let such babies, babies simply die outside the womb with no care. He and they are pushing for the repeal of the Hyde Amendment, an action which would force all American taxpayers, including you and me, to fund abortions, to pay for them. Along with their anti-life positions on euthanasia, physician-assisted suicide, embryonic stem cell research, and other issues, the Democratic Party has become the party of death, and Catholic Joe Biden is their standard bearer. Or, as he said in the first presidential debate, I am the Democratic Party. Number two, Joe Biden opposes the church's teaching on the sanctity of marriage. While he was vice president, he publicly endorsed same-sex marriage in 2012, three years before the Supreme Court ruling. And in 2016, while still the vice president, he officiated over the wedding ceremony of two men posting a photo of the ceremony on Twitter with the caption, quote, proud to marry Brian and Joe at my house. Couldn't be happier. Two longtime White House staffers, two great guys, end quote. Number three, a Biden presidency would be a danger to our already dwindling religious liberty. He and his party advocate for the repeal of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which protects the religious conscience rights of healthcare workers who decline to participate in abortions and of church-based adoption agencies that choose to place children only with married heterosexual couples, among other things. Biden is also on record committing to restoring the Obamacare mandate requiring religious ministries and orders like the Little Sisters of the Poor to provide contraceptive and abortifacient drugs to their employees despite the fact that that is a direct violation of their faith conviction and of church teaching. And by the way, on the subject of religious liberty, Joe Biden is on the record as saying that as president, he would not hesitate to reinstitute a nationwide pandemic lockdown if the science demands it. Undoubtedly, such a lockdown would once again close our churches. Let me remind you of what it was like for us to have no public masses, and no sacraments for 11 weeks this past spring. Number four, although Joe Biden rejects the label of socialist, his presidency would undoubtedly open the door for America to very quickly become a socialist country. Evidence for this assertion is in his signing on to the self-avowed socialist Bernie Sanders agenda. His selection as a running mate of Senator Kamala Harris, identified by bipartisan groups, by nonpartisan groups, as the most leftist member of the U.S. Senate. His several months-long silence on the murder and mayhem being inflicted on America's cities by Marxist socialist organizations, as well as the all-too-obvious and serious influence being exercised within the Democrat Party by leftist extremists. So why, you may ask, should that be an issue of concern to Catholics? One has only to consider the lessons of history and the teachings of the popes to answer the question. For more than 200 years, wherever socialism has sought to gain a foothold, in France, following the French Revolution, in the 20th century and today, in Latin America, in Eastern Europe, in Asia, or wherever, the socialists have viewed the church, especially and specifically the Catholic Church, as an enemy to be destroyed or at the very least, to be silenced and marginalized. Socialism is a soul-robbing ideology 
that always and inevitably leads to totalitarianism, where the government presumes to put itself in the place of God in the lives of its subservient citizens. For this reason, socialism has been clearly and vigorously condemned and denounced by an unbroken string of no less than 11 consecutive popes, from Pius IX in 1849 to Benedict XVI in 2005. Mob rule is one of the chief tactics and strategies of socialism, and in a perverse twist of irony, the same socialist mobs who like to chant silence is violence reaped the benefit of the several months long silence of Joe Biden and his party as the mobs carried out their orchestrated campaign of violence in America's cities. Again, Joe Biden is probably personally not a socialist, but he and the Democrat Party can validly be called out for giving aid, comfort, and encouragement to those who are. Whether they be the demonic forces unleashed in the streets of America's cities by Marxist, nihilist, anarchist revolutionaries, or those in elected office in his own party who seek to push America so far to the left as to make it unrecognizable and to establish a socio-economic socio and political system that is openly hostile to the church. Number five, Joe Biden's positions on these four moral issues as a very high-profile Catholic, a man who served in the U.S. Senate for more than three decades, then as vice president for eight years, and now as a candidate for president, a very high-profile Catholic, his positions then serve to subvert and undermine the faith of nominal and poorly catechized Catholics, as, for example, it gives rise to the effort, the misinformed effort, known as Catholics for Biden. At least one of Biden's campaign ads picture him with Pope Francis and with a group of smiling nuns in an effort to portray himself as a devout Catholic. And by the way, when you have to tell people what a good Catholic you are, does that not make you question how good a Catholic the person really is? Ironically, it's another group of nuns, namely the Little Sisters of the Poor, who would once again be targeted by a Biden presidency for enforcement of the Obamacare mandate. Furthermore, Senator Kamala Harris, his running mate, is on record calling the Knights of Columbus, quote, an all-male extremist group. Extremist because of the Knights' clear support of church teaching on the non-negotiables that we're talking about here. And by the way, Deacon Bud, Father Rob, and I are all members of the Knights of Columbus. And yeah, we're all male. What of it? I leave it up to you to decide if we're also extremists. Also, isn't it interesting that the same leftist media, which gives high praise to Joe Biden's Catholicism, while characterizing the Catholicism of Judge Amy Coney Barrett as dangerous and extremist. The perennial failure of many of our bishops to call out Biden and other Catholic politicians who publicly defy the church's most cherished moral teachings only serves to confuse many Catholics and many others in our society, causing them to think, oh, I guess what he holds isn't that bad. Isn't that bad? The willful destruction of 61 million babies in the womb, including, by the way, 23 million black babies, isn't that bad? I ask you, what could be worse? 
in its, in its document entitled Living the Gospel of Life. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops declared abortion to be the preeminent moral issue of our time. The right to life undergirds all other rights. That's why it's mentioned first in the Declaration of Independence. And it represents government's most important responsibility. So don't let anyone, be he a priest, a bishop, or a cardinal, tell you otherwise. Abortion is, I believe, spiritually speaking, both the primary cause and the primary symptom of a society in a downward death spiral. As I said, it's time for faithful Catholics to stand up and say, enough is enough. To all office holders and politicians who claim to be devout Catholics while publicly and obstinately contradicting the church and subverting her teachings. In conclusion, we are, as a nation, as I stated earlier, I believe, staring into the abyss, stemming from our culture's wholesale rejection of God and his law, a rejection manifested most tangibly in five decades of legalized abortion. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen once wrote these words almost 60 years ago, quote, a nation always gets the kind of politicians it deserves. If a time ever comes when the religious Jews, Protestants, and Catholics ever have to suffer under a totalitarian state which would deny them to them the right to worship God according to the light of their conscience, it will be because for years they thought it made no difference what kind of people represented them and because they abandoned the spiritual in the realm of the temporal, end quote. And so the bottom line, brothers and sisters, is vote. And when you do, think with the church, while also understanding this, that no one running for public office is ultimately the solution for what ails America. Only God is. That's not a statement of resignation to the inevitable. It is rather a statement of hope. The late father Richard John Newhouse once wrote, Christians have not the right to despair, for despair is a sin. And we have not reason to despair, he said, quite simply because Christ is risen. You and I are called to be salt and light in a dark and dying world. And you and I, as faithful American Catholics, are engaged in a battle for the soul of our beloved nation. Let's take that call seriously. I'd like to conclude this homily with a quote from the Old Testament that you are no doubt familiar with. It's one of my very favorite scripture quotes and one which is most pertinent and most compelling for today. Second Chronicles 7.14, Almighty God declares this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. God bless you and may God continue to bless America. How many times have you heard a priest give such a powerful homily that the parishioners applauded him? His quotes from Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen and St. John Henry Cardinal Newman were perfect for telling Catholics how to save this nation and our church. I urge you to go back and listen to Father's homily again. This is our final opportunity to save the Catholic Church in America and America herself. God, please bless America again.
Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a Holy Orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, the Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, through the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, are funding an organized and direct effort to elect former Vice President Joe Biden as the next President of the United States. So much for abortion being the preeminent issue. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to the Washington Examiner. Catholic school administrators are trying to lure in families whose public schools have been shut down by the coronavirus pandemic with tuition assistance programs, giving dioceses the rare opportunity to enroll hundreds of new students. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to Catholic World Report. St. Ambrose Academy in Madison, Wisconsin, filed an emergency injunction against the Dane County Health Authority for closing Catholic schools after they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to prepare for a safe opening of classrooms. The school said the government's order would cause irreparable harm to Catholic schools. Why, you no-good, stinking, rotten rascal! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to the Daily Wire. The California State Senate passed a controversial reform to its sex offender registry that would allow a young adult who has gay sex with a minor to escape registering in some cases based on a judge's discretion. I'm no fan of sex offender registries. 
I agree with Justice Thomas and the late Justice Scalia that they're unconstitutional, but I sure don't approve of what this implies. That just makes me mad! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News News Pick Pick number one. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Catholics living in Wisconsin will once again be required to go to Mass on Sunday, provided they are healthy and not at risk for coronavirus. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholicism 101 is the segment where Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, gives you little thumbnail lessons to help you better learn and understand the Catholic faith. Here's this week's Catholicism 101. Thanks be to God, most people where I've been are generally respectful, but there have been some terrible abuses to the Eucharist reported over the years. For example, it was horrifying to read about pastors finding consecrated hosts stuck beneath the pews like chewing gum, or people putting hosts in their pockets. This sort of thing comes from two factors a lack of solid catechesis about the real presence of Christ in the Most Holy Eucharist, and feeling pressured to receive Jesus during communion at Mass. Surveys show that a full 70% of Mass-attending Catholics in America don't believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Most believe it's merely a symbol and nothing more. Of course, in previous Catholicism 101s, we've seen that Jesus is really and truly present in each particle of the consecrated host and each drop of the consecrated contents of the chalice. For those of you who previously thought the Eucharist was merely a symbol, well, now you know better. But what about those who feel pressured to receive communion? Large parishes often have ushers who direct each pew to the aisle to get in line for communion. This practice puts pressure on people to get up and go to communion, and some of these folks know they can't receive because of the state of their soul. And how many good non-Catholics are there being herded to communion by ushers, people who are not at all eligible to receive? In smaller rural parishes, ushers usually aren't used. However, there is a pressure nonetheless, and it makes the recipient truly culpable. What I'm talking about is the person who receives communion because he doesn't want other people in the small parish to think poorly of him for not going to communion. If you're hearing this and fit into that category, you know from previous Catholicism 101s that if your soul is in a state of mortal sin and you still receive communion, you're committing the additional mortal sin of sacrilege. Talk to your priest in the confessional. Now let's talk about one more issue concerning communion, and it's an issue that's going to upset a few people. I'm talking about receiving communion in the hand. Let me first state emphatically that you do indeed have the right to receive communion in the hand, provided the priest giving communion allows it. However, you may view this practice much differently by the time we finish this Catholicism 101. Forty years ago, communion in the hand was absolutely forbidden. After the Second Vatican Council, there were many leaders in the church who had wrongly decided the council had given them permission to do about anything they wanted based on a false interpretation of the council's documents. So some bishops and priests across the country wrongly and disobediently instituted the practice of giving communion in the hand. 
Why is it allowed today? Well, by the time Rome found out about this abuse of the Holy Eucharist, it was so widespread that the Pope realized if he tried to stop it, his actions could cause a mass rebellion. Those of you old enough to remember, the world was generally in a state of rebellion to authority in those days. I certainly remember it, and I was one of those rebels, though not yet a Catholic. So the Holy Father decided it was better and safer to legitimize the practice at the time with the hope of reversing it later in incremental steps. Modern Catholics have to be asking themselves, why is it wrong to receive Jesus in the hand in the first place? Well, the place to begin for that answer is in the ordination of a priest. Have you ever wondered why some people kiss the hand of a priest? That's because his hands have been consecrated by the bishop during the priest's ordination. They were consecrated because a priest is a very special man. Think about it. During the consecration of the Mass, he calls God down from heaven, and God obeys. The second person of the Blessed Trinity comes down from heaven at the consecration to where? To rest in those consecrated hands of the priest. The church so deeply reverences the real presence of Christ at the Holy Eucharist that the paten upon which the host rests must be made of gold or heavy gold plate. The inside of the chalice must be lined with gold, and the priest's hands must be consecrated by the bishop who is acting in persona Christi, that is, in the person of Christ. What more right do the laity have to hold the body of Christ in our hands? Well, we have no more right at all, even though we now have a conditional canonical right. We aren't worthy of holding his body. The priest is no more worthy than we are, as he's just as human as we. That's why the bishop consecrates his hands, so that the hands holding him are holy through that consecration. Even now, we only have the canonical right to receive Jesus in the hand, if the celebrating priest at the Mass allows it. Case in point as a modern pontiff. I recall seeing him at Mass on television before I was a Catholic, hearing the story behind it after I became a Catholic. The Holy Father was in America for one of his visits. A certain number of people were called upon to receive communion directly from the Pope himself, and this select group was told ahead of time not to attempt to receive in the hand. At communion time, one man decided to test the issue. He stood before the pontiff with his hands extended to receive the host. The Holy Father stood motionless with the host in a position to place it on the man's tongue. It seemed like an hour passed as the man stubbornly stood with his hands extended, and the Pope stood equally fixed to place our Lord on the man's tongue. The will of Pope St. John Paul the Great finally won out, and the man accepted Christ on his tongue. The will of the church is to allow us to receive in the hand, but only because of the abuses heaped on the Eucharist a lifetime ago. The heart of the church, though, is for us to receive Jesus on the tongue, as St. John Paul demonstrated. Now let me ask you something. If one of your elderly or ill parents asked you to clean the kitchen or garage because he or she was physically limited to do the job properly, would you do it well enough to get by, or would you do it the way you knew your parent would do it? If you love your parent, you'd do it the way he or she would want it done. Since you now know how your Holy Mother, the Church, prefers us to receive Christ, do you really want to continue to receive Him in your hand? Think about it.
The whole reason this apostolate exists is for you, for the sake of your souls. I not only do the Cantankerous Catholic Podcast, but I also offer a free email course through joesixpackanswers.com and offer a free webinar series called Sharing the Catholic Faith. I do everything I can for the benefit of souls, reaching out to both practicing Catholics, lapsed Catholics, and non-Catholics. As Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke told me, you receive the faith freely, share it with others freely. So I work alone and I do everything I can afford to do without cost to you. Until the lockdowns, I almost always earned enough revenues to cover expenses, and that's all I've ever cared about. Since the China virus lockdowns, I've had to face some pretty tough financial realities. During the lockdowns, my revenues were decimated, and I've had to pay expenses out of my pocket. Mrs. Sixpack and I live solely on our Social Security, which is very little. Paying monthly expenses out of pocket means doing without personal necessities, but we're committed to reaching souls. So it would be a great help if you'd help us meet our expenses. Therefore, I've decided that every January, April, July, and October, I'm going to ask you to help me help souls. In my show notes in the podcast player and at cantankerouscatholic.com, you'll find a link under the resources heading that reads, Help Keep Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy Apostolate, Alive. Please click on that link to give to the apostolate, and please check the box to make it a recurring gift if you can. The gift page will say Cassock Media LLC. And I thank you in advance for your generosity. Oh, and be assured that you'll be remembered in my daily hour of reparation and rosary. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Gregory of Nazianzus. He said, Give something, however small, to the one in need, for it is not small to the one who has nothing. Neither is it small to God if we have given what we could. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. There's a story of a young king a thousand years ago who really loved his people and was grieved to know how much they suffered from hunger and cold and sickness. He did what he could by gifts of clothes and food, but his people didn't seem to care. It's no use telling the king our troubles, they'd say. He could never understand what it is to work or to be hungry and cold. The young king felt discouraged and went to a wise old man seeking his advice. How can I win the confidence of my people, he asked. I want to show them how to put an end to some of their sufferings and help them to bear others bravely, but they don't know their king loves them. Tell me how I can make them understand. There'd only be one way, I think, your majesty. Tell me, for God's sake if your majesty could go and live among them, not as a king, but as one of themselves. That night, a man dressed in poor clothing left the palace. 
No one knew it was the king, and no one knew his secret except the old man and two trusted servants. People thought the king had gone on a journey to some faraway country, but for months he lived in a poor hut in one of the towns. He lived and ate and worked as a peasant. He tended the sick and aided workers. The people around him soon came to love him for his help and advice. They were sorry when he had to say goodbye to them. When he came back to the palace and once more went among the people as he did before, he was soon recognized by those who'd known him as a laborer. The story spread, and from that time on his people loved and trusted him because he'd shown that he loved and cared for them to such an extent that he'd even become one of them. Jesus loved us so much that he became one of us. Though he was God, he wanted to become man. He lived and worked and suffered like us. In fact, of all the world's religions, ours is the only God who came to man rather than demanding man go to the other God, proof that he's real and loves us. Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to The Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find The Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.